Let's open our Bibles this morning, Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5, and we'll be reading verses 33 through 39 this morning. Luke chapter number 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 33. You can follow along in your Bible, and if uh, you don't have one, the words will be on the uh, screen this morning. Luke chapter number 5, verse number 33. Word of God says this, And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often, and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees? But thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can you make the children of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of new garment upon the old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. No man putteth new wine in old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles, and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But the new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also, having drunk old wine, straightway desireth the new. For he saith, the old is better. Let's pray this morning. Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful music, Lord, the worship this morning. Father, I thank you that we have a reason to sing. Lord, I thank you, Lord, uh, we have a reason to celebrate. And God, I pray just for a minute this morning as we look at your word, God, as we think about, Lord, who you are and what you've done. God, I pray that you'd grow each one of us. Lord, I pray that you'd start with me. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't, Lord, come this morning to hear from a man, but God, I pray that we would hear from you. Father, I pray that you would do what only you can do through the teaching and the preaching of your word this morning. Lord, may you be high and lifted up. May you be exalted in this place. Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you for what this day represents, Lord, what this time of year uh, means for us. And Lord, I do pray that you'd bless us. Lord, I thank you for each individual that's gathered here to worship and to hear your word preached. We love you. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 20 says this, But now is Christ risen from the dead, become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. As we approach our text this morning, Jesus has begun his Galilean ministry at the age of 30. He's been teaching um, in the synagogues. He's been healing people. His fame has begun to spread. People are showing up to hear him preach and to hear him teach. He's healing people. But as we've seen, uh, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the doctors of the law, his haters, if you will, have begun to show up and they begin to criticize him. He had just healed a leprous man. He had just told the lame man, the one that was lowered uh, through the roof by his friends, that his sins are forgiven. If you remember, he told him to rise up and walk, and the man's sins were forgiven, and he rose up and he walks. Uh, he had just called in the last passage a man named Levi, also known as Matthew, who was a terrible person. He was a tax collector, and it's one of the first ones that Jesus said, hey, follow me. Uh, Levi begins to follow him and Jesus goes to uh, Levi's house right after that and he's sitting at a table with a bunch of uh, tax collectors and they're literally having a party. That's what we've just seen in the last text. They're sitting around and the, guess who shows up because this is who always shows up when good things are happening. The scribes 
the Pharisees, and the doctors of the law. You know what they say to Jesus? They say, Jesus, why are you partying? Why are you sitting around the table? Why are you eating? Why are you eating with sinners? And aren't you thankful this morning that Jesus is a friend of sinners? Listen, that's the last text that we saw. Now we come to our text this morning and the scribes, the Pharisees, and the doctors of the law, they don't like what Jesus is doing. They don't like the way that he's doing it. This is why, because he ain't doing it the way it's always been done. It begins, they begin to ask some questions. Matter of fact, some believe that they even stirred up John the Baptist's disciples here. And it may not have been the Pharisees asking. It may have been John's disciples asking. And you ever read a passage of Scripture kind of like the one I'm teaching this morning? And you're like, what is up with that? He talks here in this text about a party at a wedding. He talks about some clothes and some patches. He talks about some wine bottles or some wine skins. And I want to preach a message just simply entitled this morning, What's Up with the Parties, the Patches, and the Wineskins? I want us to think about it because there's a very important truth on this Easter Sunday that we can learn from the Word of God. Let's dive in. Look at verse number 33 if you have your Bibles this morning. Here it is. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often? And make prayers. And likewise, the disciples of the Pharisees. But notice what they say here. But Jesus, yours, they eat and they drink. Here they're questioning Jesus again. Pharisees, scribes, and doctors of the law stirring the pot. Especially when things are different than the way that they've always done it. Look look what they say to him. John's disciples, they fast often. Listen, Jesus, your disciples, they're not fasting like John's disciples. They're eating and drinking. They're fellowshipping. They're having joy. Your disciples aren't like us. Your disciples aren't like them. They're not spiritual like us. It's literally what they're saying here. We must understand the context here. John was literally the final prophet, okay, from the Old Testament. John would have been the final prophet. In the Old Testament, we've got to understand this, fasting was, had been practiced since the Old Testament, but it had only been literally commanded one time in Scripture, okay? Only one time was, was it commanded. It was a common practice. Although it was only commanded once, it was often observed. And by this time in history, this is what had happened. The Pharisees took something that was commanded once, and guess what they started doing? They started making it more than what God had intended. By this time in history, if you didn't, if you were a Jew, and you did not fast twice a week, you know what the Pharisees would have said? Oh, you're not, hey, God doesn't love you like he loves us. You are not as spiritual as We are. Listen, so this is what happens. In the Old Testament, there are literally 613 or more specific laws that were commanded by God for his people. The Pharisees, you know what they did? They started with 613 and they ended up with thousands. If you were to go study Judaism today, there are thousands of laws that have been added to those 613. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees and the doctors of the law, what they try to do Jesus' entire ministry is they try to get him and his disciples caught on messing up one of these 
613 laws. Now, there were three types of laws in the Old Testament Okay, that, that they would try to trap them in. There were ceremonial laws, which was related to Israel's worship. There was civil law, which is that type of law that dictated how they lived day to day. And then there was moral law, direct commands by God. If you understand the history of Israel in your Bible, you know this, that there was a vicious cycle from the fall of Genesis chapter number 3 when Abraham, uh, to when Abraham uh, became the father of Israel. This is what happened. God gave them the law, right? Israel, guess what they did? They rejected the law. They rebelled against the law. And then judgment would come. And then revival would come. And then guess what they would do? They would break the law again. And then, so it was this nasty, vicious cycle leading up to the point where we are now over and over and over. God gave commands. People can't follow the commands, okay? God would bring judgment. He would send prophets, and then they would eventually repent. It would be a vicious cycle over and over. It's kind of like our lives, by the way. Moments we follow God, moments we don't. Over and over. It's a cycle, okay? The entire Old Testament is that story. God gives people instruction. God's people rebel. God sends prophets, priests, and kings, man, to correct his people. Okay? So what they're doing here is they're really trying to, the Pharisees are trying to catch them in those type of laws, breaking those laws. That's what, it, what they're trying to do over and over. Okay? They didn't like what Jesus was doing because it was new. Look at verse 34. And he said unto them, Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? So Jesus here, these next couple verses, is going to give them three illustrations. And by the way, that's how Jesus does it often. He tries to talk in a way that common people could understand. We would call these parables, okay? He would tell stories about farming, or he'd tell stories. He uses parties a lot in his illustrations, and farming, and different things that were relatable to the common man. So the first illustration that he's giving here is a wedding feast. And so you think, and let me just say this, if you think, and I've been to some wild weddings, some crazy weddings. Anybody else? Like, man, people spend thousands and thousands of dollars for like two hours. Somebody help me. Y'all been to them. Our weddings in our culture have nothing on Jewish culture. These weddings, literally, they would, the bride and groom in their family's home for one solid week. Their friends would come. They would have a reception that lasted for a solid week. It would be a, it would almost be like a celebratory feast. I mean, they'd have this party that lasts for an entire week. Okay, so for the Jews, it'd be a long celebration. The bridegroom opening their home to friends for food, breaking of bread, dancing, and fellowship. They weren't Baptists. Somebody help me. Okay, Jesus and his disciples. Listen, because Jesus had come, the Messiah had come, the bridegroom was there, all right? Listen, Jesus, listen, they were full of joy. Why the scribes, the Pharisees, and the doctors of the law, guess what they were? They were jealous, and they were self-righteous. Jesus is saying, there is coming a day where it will be appropriate for the disciples to fast. But that day is not here yet, because I am with them. Man, Fasting, what he's saying here in this text, in this verse is, fasting during a wedding feast is pointless while the bride is with the bridegroom. Now stay with me. He's trying to make a point in this text. Right now, this is what Jesus was saying. We are enjoying our fellowship and our ministries. And can I just say this? This ticked the Pharisees off. Because how are you the Messiah? How are these guys disciples? You guys don't even fast. You don't follow the law. So this first illustration is a wedding party. Notice the second illustration. Look at verse number 36. And he spake also a parable unto them. No man 
putteth a piece of new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. So he says this, you don't take, if you have a hole in your britches, you don't take some new britches and take that brand new piece of cloth from them and put it on your old ones. Because what will end up happening is when you go to wash it, that patch is going to shrink and they're both going to be worse than they were before. You ruin the old ones and now, now you've ruined your new ones. He, he was trying to communicate this idea to him. I'm here and we're doing something new. I'm here and I've not come as we're going to see. I've, I haven't come to do away with the law. This is what he's communicating to them. I've come because I fulfill the law. So you have this illustration of a wedding party. You have this illustration of this patch and these pants, if you will. Now look at this next text, verse 37. Look at this one. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. So what he's saying here is at this time, if you were to have a wine, it would have been in some sort of leather wine skin, okay, from like a goat or from a, a sheet. That's where the wine would have went. And if you took that old wine skin, okay, that had already been filled with wine for a long time, and you dump it out and you put that new wine in, as it went through the fermenting process, what would end up happening is that new, that, that old wine skin would end up breaking. It doesn't work that way, okay? It's already been worn out it, 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 that leather what the point he's making here and this is what we've got to get this morning and this is part of the resurrection story this morning this is the beginning of what Jesus was about to do the point he is making is I'm doing something new on this earth for the future of God's people this is what he's saying the old covenant is being fulfilled Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 17 says this. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy it, but I am come to fulfill it. This is what Jesus was doing. Jesus was coming to solve the problem that started back in Genesis chapter number 3. Falling short of the law. He is, Jesus is addressing the issue not of the law, not of following the law, but of the heart. He came to solve the problem that every man that has ever lived faces. It's the problem of the human heart. Matthew chapter number 22, this is what Jesus said. That all thy mind. Now before I read the rest of this verse, I want you to think about this. The Pharisees, the scribes, listen, and the doctors of the law, they all they had focused on laws that aren't there. La, 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 la. That's it. First and great commandment. And second is like unto it. Because anybody can follow rules. This is, where, this is where a spirit-filled Christian has to play in. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What Jesus is saying and try to explain here is through me, through the coming of the Messiah, there is a new covenant. There's one of grace. There's one of love. There's one of forgiveness. And let me just say this. When Jesus shows up, everybody right up here. When Jesus shows up, things change. When he shows up, things change. There's three things that I noticed just this morning quickly that when Jesus shows up, some things that he does and some things that change. Number one, I'm thankful for this. Old things become new. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Listen, in Jesus, there's a fulfillment of the law. Jesus did what the law failed 
to do? Man, with this problem, this sin problem, how many of y'all figured out we all fall short? And by the way, anybody that acts like they don't, you need to get away from. Somebody help me this morning. We all fall short. Romans 8 verse 3 says this, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In the law, we all fall short. In Christ, listen, His finished work on the cross and the resurrection, we are alive in Him. We are complete in Him. Second Corinthians, Paul said it this way to the Corinthian church. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, listen, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become New And all things are of God, who hath reconciled to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto him, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, you be reconciled unto God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made in the righteousness of him. Let me just explain that real quickly. He paid a price that you and I could not afford to pay. He took that old life of you and ours, that, that sin that each one of us has. And you think you don't have any? For as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, there was a great gulf. There was a separation between us and God. And what, listen, there's only one thing, and this is what he's trying to tell the Pharisees. There's only one thing that can bridge that, that gap, and it's not the law. Because all of us are going to fall short. Jesus is the only thing this morning that can bridge that gap between you and God. It's not works, it's not the law, it's not about giving money, it's not about being a religious person, it's about this question, what have you done with Jesus? Has there been a time in your life where you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is? And listen, that's when he makes us a new creature, and aren't you thankful for that this morning? Listen, Jesus, listen, he makes, listen, he made old things become new. Secondly, I want you to notice this this morning. I want you to think about this. Not only does he, not only does he make old things become new, but he, dead people through Jesus are made alive. So he's getting ready to tell them. I mean, dead people through Jesus are made alive. And let me read some scripture. I know it's a lot of Bible today, but I don't want to bore you with it, okay? I want you to think about these verses this morning. Ephesians chapter number 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flat flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But, I love this, I love when God butts in. Somebody help me this morning. Listen to this. But God, who is rich, 
in mercy. For His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And He hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Listen, it's not of works lest any man should boast. For we are workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Listen, the only hope we have this morning isn't in the law. It's in the finished work on the cross of Jesus Christ and on the resurrection which we celebrate today. The hope that we have this morning is the fact that he took that sin. He took that shame. Listen, he went into that tomb. And aren't you thankful? And I've been there. He's not there. Okay, I'm just telling you this morning. He's not there. He's alive. He sits on the right hand of the Father. Y'all understand that's the hope we have? Hey, that's the hope we have this morning. This next Friday, Sarah and I will sit at a funeral of her uncle who died of cancer, a faithful preacher there in Baltimore, Maryland. And you know what? We may weep a little bit, and we may be a little bit down, but I'm glad that we can get up and we can, we can read a verse, and we can understand a verse like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 13 that says this, But I would, have, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. You see, we have a hope this morning that others don't have. For if we believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. I'm just here to report to you this morning, if you're in Christ, if you've been saved by the grace of God, if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, if you were dead and now you're alive, if you were on your way to hell and now you're on your way to heaven, we sorrow as others don't sorrow. Listen, we have a hope this morning. And here. here Here's the, only, here's the good news for us this morning. It ain't that bad. We're only going to live forever. Listen, that's why we're here to celebrate this morning. He has quickened us. If you are in Christ this morning, when you breathe your last breath, hey, that's just the doorway to the good life. And we may be here, and I know we weep, don't we, man? I've been to a lot of funerals in my lifetime, and those are sad. But if, listen, if that person in that box was saved by the grace of God, they ain't in there. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because he's been risen, we will one day be risen with him. I just believe that this morning. Listen, that's what today's about for us. The fact that death could not hold him. He overcame it, man. Listen, God the Father raised the Son from the dead. That's the good news. Hey, it's not, and I like those songs about the cross, don't y'all? Man, I like thinking about, man, he took my sin and my shame. But listen, if he didn't rise from the dead, that didn't matter. But we serve a risen, risen Savior this morning. That's the reason, and that's the hope we have. You know, we live in a crazy, jacked-up world right now. Am I the only one saying, I mean, we got some messed up stuff going on. We don't know if we boys, girls, lizards, you know what I mean? We got some crazy stuff going on. I mean, you look around the world right now, seriously, it's easy to get depressed. Huh? It's easy to get depressed. I mean, I was, I was scrolling through, and I, I shouldn't have been, but I had a moment of weakness, and I'm scrolling through reading that news. We live, in worlds, we live in a world where six Christians, three kids, and three adults were killed in a, in a Christian school a few weeks ago, and you ain't heard one word about it from our administration or liberal media. And, and you know, you look around and, and you start thinking, uh, you know, and they're celebrating other stuff. Somebody help me this morning. And, and if you're like me, you can start getting a little bit depressed and say there's no hope. Can I just tell you this morning, there's still hope. 
Nothing in this world surprises God. There's coming a day where everything that's wrong in this world, He's going to make right. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord. That's all I'm saying this morning. That's the hope that we have. I'm thankful that there's coming a day when there's no more cancer, aren't you? Hey, I'm thankful there's coming a day there's no more hospital visits, there's no more funerals, there's no more fights, there's no more sin, there's no more flesh. And I'm not just talking about the sin of the world. I ain't going to have to deal with my sin anymore. Man, I'm thankful for that day. That's the hope we have in the resurrection this morning. He makes, listen, he makes, he makes old things new. He makes dead people alive. And by the way, if you were saved, you were dead and now you're alive. Ain't no grave. I love that. I was preaching. Uh, ain't no grave going to hold you down. We were at a friend of mine's church in Kentucky. And they're wild. They are wild. And they started singing that song, Ain't No Grave Gonna Hold Me Down. And Jeremy, you've been to that church with me. And there's some old men, they're wild. They sit on the front row, but they're old drug addicts. They're old men that remember, they remember who they were, and they just have a good time worshiping. Do some of us good once in a while. I mean, it makes us a little nervous. I may leave if it gets a little wild. But These dudes were singing that song, and one of the old men lays down on the ground. The other one's over there with a shovel. I'm talking about middle of church. They're saying, ain't no grave going to hold me down. And these dudes were sincere. They weren't, but here's the point. They remember, listen, there ain't no grave going to hold us down. Hey, death is just a doorway for us. Hey, it's, it's where life begins. It's when we're perfectly healed. Listen, he, aren't you thankful he makes dead men alive? Maybe you're still dead. Can I just say this? He wants to make you alive. See, that you know what the Pharisees, the scribes, and the doctors of the law's problem was? They was dead. They were trying to get through the law and through religion which you could only get through, oh my goodness, through Jesus. Man, I wonder how many of us are trying to get through religion, through even worship, something that only Jesus can bring through His grace, through His forgiveness, through His love. Man, I'm thankful that He makes, listen, dead people alive. And Matt, you can help me out. We're done. This is my favorite one. Not only, listen, not only do old things become new, not only are dead people made alive, but he makes broken people whole. He makes broken people whole. The Pharisees had accused him of being a friend of sinners. He had touched that leper, y'all remember? Man, they didn't like that. He had healed the lame. He had called a tax collector. Luke 5:31, and Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And I love what he says here. I came not to call the righteous but to call sinners to repentance. Can I just say this morning, that's why He came. Hey, that's why He died. That's why the Father resurrected Him, to do what the law could not do. We mentioned it last week, but it bears repeating. Hey, Abraham was a liar and he was old. But can I tell you what God did with Abraham? God used him. Elijah was depressed and he was suicidal. But can I tell you what God did with Elijah? God used him. Hey, Joseph was abandoned by his family. But can I tell you what? God used him. Moses had a speech impediment and he was a murderer. Hey, but God used him. Gideon was scared to death and lived a life of fear. But God used him. Rahab, we don't like this one, was a prostitute. Hey, but God used her. The Samaritan woman was divorced and had all kinds of issues. But yet God restored her and gave her of that water where she would never thirst again. Noah was a drunk. Listen, God used him. Jeremiah, just a kid with fear. Yet God used him. Jacob, the deceiver and the liar. Yet God used him. Naomi, a widow. God used him. Jonah, a runner. Man, running from God. Yet God used him. Peter, big mouth Jesus denier. Yet God used him. Listen, Martha, a warrior. 
clear. That's some of us this morning. Yet God gave a peace that passeth all understanding. Paul, a terrorist, yet God used him. All I'm trying to say this morning is in light of the cross and in light of the resurrection, God can and will use you. That's the purpose of it this morning. I wonder how many of us today need to just say, God, thank you for sending Jesus to do what religion and what the law could not do. John 3.18 says this. I'm about done because we got to get these cars off the parking lot. Praise God. Because I could preach for another hour. He that believeth on him, are y'all listening to this, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Hey, that's what it's about this morning. Believing in Jesus. So, last thing I want you to write down is think about this. What's up with the parties, the patches, and the wineskins? Jesus was doing a new things in this world. Listen, he wants to do a new thing in you. If you've never surrendered, can I just tell you this? Man, he wants to work in your life. But now, is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Here it is. For as Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Matt's going to sing. Listen, if you want to pray at your seat or you need a place to pray, the altar's open this morning. If you don't know the Lord, we'd love to have someone before the ser- or during the invitation or after the service. There'll be some counselors up here that would love to pray with you, show you not what a man says, but what God's Word says about how you can know for sure. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Matt's going to sing a verse of invitation. Worship pictures. Death could not hold.